Now that Tim's got us warmed up, would you join me in the reprise of O Come Let Us Adore Him? O come let us adore Him. O come let us adore Him. O come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Think about those words. Who's the intended audience of that song? Who are we talking to when we say, oh, come, let us adore him? Us, yeah, each other, right? It's a call to worship. It's a call to worship that we're giving to one another. Come on, let's adore him. Oh, come on, let's adore him. Is that what you're saying? That's what we're saying. It's the season to call one another to adore him. As if it's not the season every season for the Christian. But in this season, we sing this song, Oh, come let us adore him. And we sing it to one another. But hopefully, we're also singing it to our family members as we gather tomorrow. We sing it to our, or at least live it out and speak it to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. But what do we do if the response to the call to adore him is, okay, but why? Why should I adore him? What would you say? What if you said, hey, you shared the gospel with somebody and said, let's, so let's adore him. Why should I adore him? What would you say? And really, isn't that the question for us too? Why should we adore him? Why should we adore Jesus? In last week's sermon, Kempis was lamenting the pull of so many things that distract um, us during this season. And I feel the tension. I mean, I think every, every year that I get older at Christmas time, I'm, I'm feeling the tension a little bit more of, of not letting the story of Christmas of, be drowned out by the glimmer and the, the excitement. I remember... When I was a kid at Christmas time, going over to Grandma's house and just seeing all the presents and just kind of walking around to see which ones had my name on it. And even as adult, we can get caught in that trap, right? Forgetting the focus of the Christmas story. When it really is about the truth of God humbling himself and becoming a human in order to save sinners from their sins. So what do we do? Where do we go? If we want to refresh and, and in this season give an answer to why we should adore him. Well, it may seem obvious, but let's go to the Christmas story, right? Let's read through the Christmas story. And, and as we read, um, it's page 45 in the, in the pew hymnals if you're interested in following along with me. But I've always found it fun to... Look at the various characters um, that are mentioned in Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to go, Luke chapter 2. And I think there are some observations we can make from these various characters in this story that will help us understand what it is to adore and why. So follow along with me, Luke chapter 
22, and we'll read verse, all through all the way through verse 21. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a, that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor in Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Skip over to the NASB. Each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lie in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we've got these various characters First of all, we've got the shepherds, right? Tending their flock by night in the pitch black darkness. Maybe out in the distance you could still see, you could see the little town of Bethlehem um, silently. With torches, lamps maybe being lit. And suddenly this angel, one angel, appears. And they are completely terrified. Terrified as we all would be, and throughout Scripture, as anyone is, when they come face to face with the glory of God as represented through his messengers. 
coming face to face with something so unworldly and unhuman terrified these shepherds. This could be a form of worship, couldn't it? Having fear and awe of God, seeing our rightful place as humans that are unlike the holy. Another observation we can have is that the shepherds, when they heard the word of the Lord, accepted it as absolute truth. So much so that they left their flocks. And as an interesting aside, this is Jeff speculating, and this is just kind of fun things that I do when I think about these things. I always wondered, what happened to those sheep? If the, if the, Shepherds were frightened and scared. What would a flock of skittering, skitterish sheep do? And I always had this picture that we see in the, in the paintings and the pictures of the, kind of this heavenly host floating above the shepherds and the shepherds looking up. But in the scriptures it says the, sh- the, the, the angel stood before him, right? And then the heavenly host came and I'm assuming stood. I don't, we don't know, but wouldn't that be just like God to surround the flock of sheep, making sure they stayed in one place for those shepherds? I don't know, but it's kind of fun to think about. I could see God doing that. But the shepherds took, him at, took God's word as absolute truth, and they went just as the angels told them. And as soon as they saw that God's word had been confirmed true and that a Savior had been born, they made known to it, to everyone. Probably going through Bethlehem where it's likely they lived, bumping into friends, knocking on family members' doors. You won't believe what just happened. And then all who heard it, we find out how they responded. It says they wondered. They wondered. The idea of wonder. It's the same word that is used um, to describe the, the disciples' response when the storm is raging on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus, they wake Jesus up and he stands up and with a word, there is absolute stillness. That, at that point, the scripture tells us, they wondered. Who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? Well, upon hearing this good news of the angels and the description of what the shepherds had seen as had been told them, the people wondered. They were filled with wonder. Were um, told of Mary and her response. As the bustle is beginning and they the shepherds come and maybe even communicate to them what just happened out on the hillside. There were heavenly hosts praising God and singing. Guess what they were singing? Glory to God in the highest on an earth. Peace among men whom he is well pleased. And he told us to come and it's exactly as he described it. And Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. The 
that almost, almost verbatim, those words, Mary treasured all these things in her heart, is repeated when Jesus was 12 years old. And Jesus' family, Joseph and Mary, had brought the family to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover. And when it was over, they returned home. After a day or so, they realized Jesus is not with them. And so they make their way back. And after three days of being separated from their 12-year-old son, they finally find him in the temple preaching and teaching. And Joseph says, his parents say, what are you thinking? Why have you done this to us? And he says, you should have known I would be in my father's house. And the scriptures record that Mary treasured these things in her heart. You wonder if, as she's processing what's going on, if her mind goes, if this is the Messiah, which I believe he is, does her mind go to Isaiah 53? Realizing this little baby is going to be crushed, is going to be shamed, is going to be despised, is going to be killed and murdered. Is treasuring all these things in her heart with the song, Mary, did you know, describes as, did you know the face that you are kissing? You're kissing the face of God. Well, the shepherds nicely bookend this event. They are brought the news And after the event, they go off glorifying and praising God. This was the best night of their life. Glorifying and praising God, the Messiah has come. We who have been walking in darkness, generations of our family members, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, have been waiting for a Messiah. And we, shepherds of all people, have been told the good news first. And it's exactly as described. What was common to all of these people and their responses was that they had received good news. The, the angels told them they, had bring, they, had, they, they were coming to bring good news. The gospel was here. The gospel had arrived. The gospel what, is what... what brought all of these responses of these characters to light. Jesus, he was given the name Jesus because he would save people from their sins. Mary and Joseph didn't even name him. God the Father named him through the Holy Spirit. And they named him. His baby was born, yes, a baby, but as Tim said earlier, so much more. God selected the most humbling and vulnerable way to enter the world. About a month ago, I was, listen, I was watching this documentary series on mammals. And um, I learned that the one mammal who cares for their child the most, because that the child offspring is the most vulnerable of all ma- mammals, is the human being. Out of all the mammals, the human being child, baby 
is the most vulnerable for the longest period of time under the care of a mother. Isn't that interesting? God chose to come in this form, this humbling, vulnerable form. And it would be an example that he would carry out his entire time on earth. The tragic beauty, friends, the tragic beauty of the birth of Christ is that this is the downbeat of God's great rescue of us. Jesus would live a perfect life. He would obey every law, would fulfill every bit of righteousness. And when he hung on a cross 33 years later, after this incarnational event, God the Father would take the anger that he has against sin and execute judgment on the guilty by throwing it down upon the perfect lamb, his very own son. And whose guilt and sin was punished? Raise your hand if your guilt and sin was punished on that tree. If your hand is not raised... I want to invite you to take a look at the good news, the gospel. He died for your sin. Listen, I didn't know him when he did this. None of us who have been saved knew Jesus when he did this. But he knew us. And he knows your name as well. Our sin was punished on that cross. And it's why we celebrate communion every year on our Christmas Eve services. Jesus is a Savior. And in communion, we don't remember a dead Savior. We don't remember a dead Jesus. He rose again and is still righteous, perfectly holy. And thank goodness, because we keep sinning. He's paid Every sin once and for all. Your sins tomorrow already paid if you are in him. Your sins three years from now already paid. And thank goodness that he came in the form of a human so that we could be saved as humans. Your salvation has come and this is joy to the world. This is the mind-blowing information. This is why we can say, come, let us adore him. Let us adore him, this story. I want to invite those who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior to come at this table here and remember these gospel truths. If you're not a follower of Jesus, please remain seated This is an exclusive meal. This is an exclusive time for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. At the tables are some wafers and bread. You guys are familiar with how we do this. We do this on Sunday nights on a regular basis. The wafers of bread represent the broken body of Jesus. His broken body on the cross. The fruit of the vine represents his blood poured out for the remission of our sins. 
We want you just to come and dip the wafer into the juice and take at your leisure and as you've had time to prepare your heart. Let me pray for us before we do this. Dear Heavenly Father, we are joyful. On this Christmas Eve, this um, night where we get to just again rehearse and, and look again at the story from very pages of your word, your scriptures, about your humble beginnings as a human, an eternal God being poured into a created form. Lord, it is, it is somewhat mind-boggling. And we acknowledge that our minds and our hearts are not yet as sanctified and mature to understand the whole amazing concept of God becoming man and God being with us. But we are amazed and we are thankful and grateful. Thank you for your perfection, your righteousness that we receive But we know it's not a righteousness of our own. It's foreign to us and it covers us. And and yet we want to just say thank you so much for saving us. And over the course of our life, making us more and more like your son. I pray, Lord, that this church would grow in that way, that we would become more and more like Jesus. We would look more and more like him. We thank you for your forgiveness as we stumble and, and sin and make mistakes and, and um, try to understand your word and live it out. But we come to this table tonight knowing that our sins are forgiven. They have been thrown as far as the east is from the west. There is now no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your resurrection. And we thank you for Christmas. Help us to take these things into tomorrow morning. And may the glory of the good news drown out everything else. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now as we begin this time, let's call one another to adore him one last time. Oh, come, let us adore him. Sing it out. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Please, let's form lines and let's adore him. <laughs>